Welcome back, followers. Today, we'll be talking about reentry shock. This is a topic and a resource that we hope that you'll use in the coming days as we make our way out of quarantine. This is something that is super personal to me and that I have been able to make my way through two separate times in my life from studying abroad to a husband that was deployed and returning to a quote-unquote normal family life, whatever that means. But in all sincerity, this is something that I really hope that each and every one of you can take and learn from. Use the resources that we mention. We will link them in our episode, on our social media, at following the podcast and at followingthepodcast.com. We will link the information here. This is part one. And then we will also link the information in part two, which will be um, coming up very shortly with Dr. Julie Liefeld. We are super excited to have her as part of this. She has a wealth of information. So today you'll be hearing from me and Dana. We hope that you enjoy. Hey, Dana. Hey, Kristen. So it is quarantine day 4,567,128. Sure. Do you remember that? Sure is, yes. (laughs) I'm always so impressed by how you keep count. I just love numbers. I'm a numbers gal. That's that's me. You are. Wow. (laughs) I never would have pinned that about you. Wow. Wow. (laughs) I'm just kidding. That made made it sound like I was trying to say that you weren't very smart. (laughs) Oh, but no, you no. definitely I are. I just know that you and I are extremely similar, and um, I I am not numbers driven. Although you're good with like finances and checking that kind of stuff. So yeah, I have to say my mom is a numbers savant. She remembers phone numbers, addresses, times of birth, birth dates, like from decades ago. So that's where you get your memory ago. from. Um, no, it's not even close, but I will take a snippet. I got a snippet of it. Oh, you have such a good um, memory. Wow, thanks. I'm not sure. (laughs) That was like one of the first things I learned about you. Huh. All right. Yeah, I remember. And I remember saying that to you like, holy smokes, I thought I had a good memory. But here you walk in and I'm like, okay, she knows everybody's name. And other thing. Oh, you know what? No, you know what it is? I was trying to think (laughs) I'm like, why did I think that she had such a good memory? And I still think you do. Because you will go, oh, uh, like when I, I remember this because when I was working the desk, I'd be like, oh my gosh, what was that person's name? And you'd go, uh, that was Jessica so-and-so. She was wearing, she had the, the pink Lululemon mat and she was wearing a orange shirt and black pants. Like you would just know, you're very, you remember like visual stuff like that. I do. Like, that insane. is a weird thing that I do. Yeah, insane. Oh, <laughs> she was the girl. She had her hair in a messy bun. She was wearing, a, like, you just, like, know these. I'm like, okay, wow. Um, but the actual detail of the name, I have to see it in, in the computer, like, 50 times mm-hmm. before I remember the name. But I can remember all the details of the person, like, their story. But the actual name is the hard thing to stick. Yeah. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, well, they but... say stories are easier to remember, too, right? Like... Um, like even just at my, my job working at, in a coffee place, like somebody would come in and I'm like, Oh, you're going to get four pounds of Elliot's blend ground at number five. I know it. Mm -hmm. And I don't remember your name, but I know exactly your order. (laughs) Um, anyways. And it's harder, it's harder in your business because there's not like a checkout where you have their names. Although no, you guys do have your checkout, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
which is kind of nice because then it just kind of records people's Mm -hmm. information Mm -hmm. so it's less work for them but anyways that's not what we're here for (laughs) (laughs) we're just here to talk about memory and customer service (laughs) right everyone wants to know about that although it could be interesting maybe that's a topic down the road um so this is I'm really 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 thrilled to be uh, recording this episode, I turned to my husband um, this morning and I was like, guess what I'm doing tonight? And he's like, what? And I told him what the topic was. He goes, that is so good. And um, I think he's a really good gauge of what my excitement should be in something. And when he was excited about it, I just, I lit up all over again. So do you want to talk about what we're talking about tonight? Yeah. Well, so first of all, I think it's important to briefly introduce your husband because he is going to be on this show. Um, So everybody can just be shaking in their boots in excitement because that's going to be a good one. (laughs) What if they have flip-flops? Does that count too? Can they shake the flip-flops? Shake those (laughs) flip-flops off. Um, Oh my God, we're the weirdest people in the best way. Um, (laughs) So tell tell our listeners why it's relevant for Ryan and especially for you and Ryan and your relationship. Oh, well, the topic. Okay, I I dropped the ball here. Kristen, introduce the topic and your husband. Um, You know, honestly, I didn't even think about that when I mentioned that. I was just genuinely talking about how excited he was about the topic. But the topic, since we've said it a million times and haven't even said it, is reentry shock. And somebody that is listening to this may know exactly what I'm talking about. And some people may have absolutely zero idea what that is. Um, or casually know the term, um, but my husband is in the military. He's in the National Guard, so it can be a little confusing. The National Guard is not full-time. He does have a full-time job as a school teacher, and that is how we met, and the National Guard meets one weekend a month and two weekends a year. You can become activated to a deployment or a um, full-time status when you are National Guard, depending on your job, job title, the needs of the military. So both of those things has have happened to him, interestingly enough, both at the times of, of my children's birth. So he was deployed when my son was, um, actually prior to my son being born, he was technically deploy- deployed, and he was on leave when my son was born, and he left five days after my son was born. And then he was also activated to perform... Um, a special mission, I guess. Um, it makes him sound way, way more important than he probably is, although in my mind and in my bias, he's very important. Um, and we'll talk more about that in the episode, so I don't want to like ruin that. But he is on his second year now in a an at-home mission, so he comes home every night, which is great for us. So um, we are talking about re-entry shock, which he and I both experienced after his deployment, And I personally experienced prior to his deployment when I studied abroad in France. So two totally different um, levels of stress, right? When you study abroad, it feels like, oh, this is great. You know, you're going and exploring, you're learning, you're with peers, you're having fun. And then deployment, which obviously has a more serious tone to it. So um, I personally have found my way through both of those situations in very different ways. Um, And I knew 
from the beginning of COVID, especially when it turned into week two, three, ten, whatever week we're on now, that re-entry is something every human is going to experience. Mm-hmm. It's You can't deny it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it is. It's a fact. And even, um, I, it's even important, like, yes, Ryan experienced this re-entry shock when he came home, but... You also experienced like, well, I've established a routine now with my son, with like Ian and and you and now he came home and now you have to establish a new routine with the three of you, Absolutely. you know, so mm-hmm. there's going to be people that like their routines are going to get thrown off. They're going to have, you know, extra time or less time or more time or whatever it is. Um, and I, yeah, so... This, this has been always a topic, I think even before quarantine, you you mentioned wanting to do an episode on reentry shock because it is something that was so important to you and your life and your marriage and your journey through studying abroad and coming home. And um, so, yeah, I think it's really important that we are talking about this right now. May 21st, we, we're in the state of Connecticut. Wait, is, was the 20th thing, is that a federal or was that... Just Connecticut. That was a co- Connecticut, and we were the last state in the nation to come um, to lift stay at shelter in place mm. orders. So yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a big deal um, to be doing this, and I am very. I I don't want to say happy to be doing it, but I we started this podcast to bring good to the world, to bring information, stories, knowledge. Um, whether it's personal experiences, professionals in the field. And I feel like this episode is going to have a great blend of those two things. Um, So I will be sharing, obviously, my personal experiences. So Kristen, can you speak a little bit to your experience, both with Ryan and with studying abroad, and how you think that it could be applicable and helpful to what people are going to be experiencing right now? Yeah, um, so for me... I remember, and I think we talked about this in an episode, but I can't remember which one, but I remember gearing up to go away to France and there's a training. They, they sit you down and there's a couple of meetings, um, that central Connecticut state university did for us. And they talk about all the logistics and everything, but they also touched upon reentry shock. And I literally remember just like looking at the person next to me and saying, oh, this is ridiculous. I'm going to be so excited to come home again. You know, I don't need to know about this. I don't, uh, whatever. I'll sit here because I have to, if I want to go and study abroad, I have to listen to this presentation. But fast forward, I come back from France where I was in a pass-fail situation. I was traveling often. Um, So I was goofing off. Basically, I wasn't working. I was quote unquote in school, but you know, I was not taking it as seriously as I would if I was in the States and it was a GPA thing. So when I came back to my life, I came back to a situation where I needed to, I, in order to finish in four years, which is almost impossible to do at CCSU, um, not a knock on them. I just think that so many things change in education so quickly. Um, but I wanted to finish in the four years. I just had it in my head that that was going to happen. So I had to take on, I think it was 18 or 20 credits. I think it was 20 oh credits. Gosh. And I worked 35 hours a week because I 
didn't have financial aid that covered everything, and I paid a lot of bills on my own. So I was not only full-time, but full-time plus, plus working a full-time job and trying to just get back to life after what I equate it to was being in France and I was at, you know, zero miles an hour to coming back and not doing 60, but doing a hundred miles an hour. So it was just, and it was a light switch. It wasn't just like, all right, you have the summer to recoup and then you can go back into it. There was no dimmers. Perfect. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know how many days, weeks, months, whatever it took, but there was a buildup and I could feel it in my body and just tension and, it was on the highway. I can remember if you're from Connecticut driving up 84 and somebody cut me off and it was just the straw that broke the camel's back. And I just started screaming in my car, like screaming at the tops of my lungs and I couldn't stop. And I don't know if it was a panic attack or, or anxiety attack, but I just couldn't stop screaming. I screamed all the way to my house, which was another 15, 20 minutes until I got into the driveway and I was like, well, I can't scream in front of other people. So I just started crying mm. and I called my dad and I was like, dad, I, I don't know what to do. I can't stop. You know, I'm feeling this way. I need to call somebody and get help. And he goes, okay, call, call somebody. It's covered by our insurance. And like, that's what I was afraid of. <laughs> it wasn't like I would have to pay all this money out of my pocket, yeah. like which shouldn't happen. And that's probably a whole nother episode on healthcare and mental health and insurance. Yeah. Don't even know where to start there. Oh, so <laughs> that aside, you know, I, I ended up going to school, a counselor at school and trying to work through it. And, and eventually I found my way through it. Um, I didn't buy into the therapy. It just, it was, it, it wasn't the right kind for me it was a talk therapy and the person at school tried to just have me do breathing much like it was very yogic actually mm-hmm. and I just I was not tuned into that frequency and I was not having it having it so I just figured my way out through it and it wasn't easy it was very challenging um I I don't know if it was just time that got me through it or, or what, but I know it wasn't easy. It was very bumpy. I stayed working when I was working. I stayed in the classes that I was taking. Um, I think I bumped my hours down a little bit and I just said no to more things like socially, Mm -hmm. um, which was hard. You know, you're in college, it's your junior, senior year. You want to, you want to do all that stuff. Um, so it, it ended up working out plus a semester is four months long. So I, I trudged through it. Um, so when my husband was getting deployed and, and there's also a, a big day of like eight hour long meetings that you're, you and the spouse or a, a close family member can attend and they give you a slew of information um, I think they equate it to a fire hose. It's a whole bunch of stuff coming at you all at once and you're expected to kind of absorb it. Um, there are people that you can call afterwards and reach out to and, and all of that. But I remember the part coming back on the slides and I'm sitting with my husband and it's about coming back home. And I was like, pay attention to this because, you know, I had the experience in college of what I just shared with everybody. And it's important that we 
are ahead of the game because mm. I, I don't want to make the same mistake twice. Right. So, um, so we paid attention to it and being prepared, um, knowing, knowing it was not going to be unicorns and rainbows when he came home. I just didn't know what it would be like because re-entry for me was personal. It was just me. I didn't have to worry about anybody else. Like, yes, I was adjusting to friends and family, but I wasn't married to anybody at the time in college. So not only did I have a husband, I had a son. And of course my husband missed all that time with him. You know, he was nine months old when he came back. So he wanted to scoop him up and just be with him. And I remember picking him up from the airport or the hangar, the military hangar, and being in the car and looking at him and just not feeling anything. And that sounds so terrible, you know, like, and I felt terrible about it because you think, wow, this guy's been gone for nine months. You should be all over him or like so excited and thrilled and relieved. But like, I felt nothing and it wasn't good and it wasn't bad. It was just like, huh, this is weird. Like, Mm. (laughs) I don't know what to think. Yeah. And if I look back on it, I think part of it was that part of me was upset that like, so my husband was gone through the holidays, the Christmas holidays and in that time, they, on the news, on TV, on Ellen, on Oprah, um, they always show these military reunions. Yeah. Like, like it happens all the time, you know? And, and I think part of me was just waiting for that surprise for him to walk in on Christmas Eve to his aunt's house and New Year's Day. And I'm like, okay, oh, here's another holiday where he could just pop in, you know, yeah. and, and he could be pretending this whole time that he's, you know, still in wherever he was, and it didn't happen. So, like, part of me was mad at him for something he had no control over right. in the first place, and I knew that. So I think I was trying to suppress anger. Yeah, it's and misplaced, right? Totally, totally. Yeah, good word. I think it's extremely so, important that you're talking about this and being so honest about it because – I know. I I don't I don't know this for sure, but I would bet money that you're not alone. <laughs> and you see the reunions and you think, wow, they're like they're on their second honeymoon right now, yeah. you know? Like they're going and like just living it up. They're staying up all night chatting. They're going on a million dates. Yeah. Like I think that's the glorified version. It's it's what I was seeing on TV, right? Right. He's going to come home and surprise me, of course, because what what eight-month-old kid is going to have his first Christmas without his dad? Like, that's just not going to happen in life, right. and then it does, and you're like, oh, oh, okay, yeah. Like, not only did my husband sign up for all of this, but we signed up for this. Yeah. We are doing this. We are choosing this as a family, and I 100% support him, but I 100% really felt what other people feel Mm. um that I would have never understood had I not been in the situation and you can you can empathize but until you're in that situation you just you don't understand it so do you think that one of the reasons do you think you were able to handle it any um I don't want to say better easier I can't think of the right word but do you think it was a little bit more manageable 
because you and Ryan did make that decision together for him to join the military. You know, I know a little bit of the story of how he joined the military and um, your part in that. And I know you were super supportive of him. So having a unified front in your marriage on that, do you think that that... I want to, I think the way that I, I would answer the way that I understood the question is that him joining the military was a decision we made had he come home one day and just said, I joined the military and I've already signed the paperwork. I would have been blindsided. I would have tried to been understanding. And I think because of my family's background, I, I come from a very um, long line, I guess, or um, proud line of military family. So I, I had good references um, with my uncle and also my brother, so they were good people to talk to about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely was an us decision, him joining, um, because he had to relinquish a lot of the control he had. We were not married at the time, so he had to relinquish a lot of the control he had over his home. <laughs> oh, the yeah, trust. I forgot that. I forgot you guys weren't yeah. married when the, when uh, he first, right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Um, so there, there was, it was, it was a big leap for both of us. Um, but I think that there are people that get involved with someone that's in the military and they don't know what to expect. And then they're left alone. And and there is this glorified version that's out there that, oh, you know, there will be leave and there will be this and, and it never comes. And then there's disappointment. That's not, it's it's real. The disappointment is real, but it's because there was this fabricated. It's almost like, I don't know if they, there's a name for it, but like all these fairy tales, Prince Charming comes in and saves the day and a, a woman will be rescued by a man and like everybody lives happily ever right. after. Like that's not reality. And unfortunately, that's what we feed our kids day in and day out are happy ending stories, which they're children. There's, there is a protection and I'm a mom and, and I can say like, I, I don't have a problem with that, but there, there does need to become this conversation as they get older that sometimes things don't end the way that you want them to, right. you know? Um, so I guess, I don't know why I feel like I need to, I, I'm not trying to caution people that get into relationships where someone is in the military, or you could have just someone that travels a lot for work and that can it can fall a lot on the person that's left behind a lot can fall on their shoulders so you just have to be aware of all of those aspects much like if someone is going you know if if you're going on a trip and you're going studying abroad you need to just be aware of what things may or may not happen and things that you might feel and and just knowing that it's normal helps it makes you feel like you can share more or reach out for help if this is happening um so I don't I don't know does that make sense I don't know if it yeah it does it does I one of the things I was thinking about which now I feel like I'm making this I don't want to make this about me but like you know I've dated a police officer um pretty seriously and I he didn't he worked days like he didn't have a super demanding um, schedule, I would say, but there was still um, a fear of like watching him leave in the morning and like uh, be yeah. safe. <laughs> like and 
now I'm like, I don't know that I want to date a cop. Like again, you know, like, I don't know if I could like, I don't know if I could date somebody in the military because I like, he would come into where I work and then they would get a call and they would all rush out and leave. And I'd be like, okay, bye. Please say bye to me. Like I could never like, I told him like anytime he would leave my, like where I was working, if I was like down in the basement grabbing something and they left, I would text him and be like, can you please say goodbye before you leave? Like I, it was like stressful. I mean, in a way it wasn't stressful because I trusted him and I knew he was very well trained and very good at his job. But it was also like, I couldn't deny the like feeling of watching him drive away. Mm -hmm. Like, I think that there's just like a, I think if you're entering into a relationship like that, just, you know, understand but I, there's yeah. there's there was no person in the universe that could have told me not to date him like I was 100% gonna date him so I understand like that's gonna ha- like you're gonna meet people that you just have to be around and and learn from but yeah um I think it's important to know what you're getting yourself into and then maybe it'll soften the blow a little bit when it's really hard <laughs> absolutely and then finding other people that are married to that work so me finding other military spouses Mm -hmm. you Mm -hmm. finding other um significant others of law enforcement you know I I think there is something really to be said of somebody that knows the experiences that was the very first thing that we did is you know it wasn't purposeful it wasn't like oh I need to make sure I make all friends with military wives because I you know, I need to protect myself. That wasn't the intention. It was like, hey, this is a comrade. This is someone that's going to be my husband's battle buddy or they're going to be drilling together. Mm-hmm. This is someone that's going to understand just the life, you know. Right. And it's it's hard because National Guard, we've sort of talked about this before, is you don't have a home base. So you're really trying to create something that is already – like on a full-time base, it's already there. You already have that community. You live next door to other military families. But when you're in the National Guard, you can choose wherever you want to in that state. And some people are even out of state to live. So you have to really work at finding the relationships. And, And that person that goes to drill with my husband might not live in the same town. They might live 45 minutes an hour away. So really social media helps a ton with that. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously when there's a deployment, there are, there are those meetings and you meet people there and then there's, um, FRG family resource groups that help with that process and that unification. And it's a beautiful thing. Um, but there, I think there's something to be said about community. There's community is huge yeah and and now that we've gone through this quarantine where we've been forced to pretty much only communicate using technology we know that it can be very helpful at least we know from our from I know from my experience that it's extremely helpful to have Facebook and Instagram and TikTok I'll say it um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and Zoom and all of that like that's super it has been super helpful for me and I'm only saying this because I think maybe before quarantine, it'd be like, oh, cool. Like my husband's in the National Guard and we don't have this home base. Like, why do I want to join this Facebook group? Like that's so surface level or like I, you know, I need somebody in person. I don't want to talk to these people on the Internet. Well, guess what? Like we've been doing it for a few months now and it's it's 
at least for me personally, it's gotten me through quarantine. So find your mm-hmm. find your tribe. And if your tribe is on social media and it's on the Internet, just just jump in, jump in. Oh, I, I don't I don't want to sound um, high horsey about this, I guess. But imagine being away from your family and the only method you have to watch your son grow up and to stay connected is technology. (laughs) Technology was like our fourth family member. (laughs) FaceTime was like our fourth family member. And if we didn't have that, there would have been so much more feeling and emotion, I think, that was pent up. Like if, if, if Ryan... My husband couldn't see my son on an almost daily basis via technology. I don't know that he or I would have made it or when he came back, there was like no qualms. Like my son had no issue Mm. being scooped up by my husband. There was no stranger danger. Like there was like a, 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 I should say none. There was like a moment of like, oh wait. You're the guy that I see on the screen. Oh, hey, you're, you're cool. 3D. I remember your voice. Yeah. Now you're 3D. You're holding me. Whoa, this is cool. But like the second we got home, they played together. He put him to bed. He knew his routine. He knew his bedtime songs because he would say them to him. He would Aww. sing them to him because I would just hold up the phone while that was happening. We were extremely fortunate that um, times worked out for that, like the time that my husband had off he was able to be part of the routine that doesn't always happen and and I really do I'm thankful for that deployment being in in the place that it was you know um so technology I could not speak enough about how great technology is and I know it has its qualms and I know it has its downfalls but I I personally think there's so much more good that comes out of it than there is bad yeah, um, I have to. I have to but, agree with that. You know, if you asked yeah. me that a year ago, I probably would go, ah, I don't know, like, <laughs> like. But now I'm like, yep, definitely. I agree. Yep. When you, when it's used by the right people, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like anything now, exactly. anything in moderation and used in the right way. Right. Um, right. So I, I just wanted to finish up a little snippet of that post, um, post deployment, because there may be people that have spouses in military, um, or just in general going with a similar situation where you may have been apart, um, from your family. I even think of like nurses and doctors that are not seeing their family yeah, some of them during are, this are, time. Yeah. Yep. I, I, I know I was talking to my sister and that was part of their plan. If it got bad enough that she would be living apart from her children. So uh, my nieces. Um, so I, for me, part of that post deployment, like I was saying, it was like, I was very numb, but knowing ahead of time that that could happen, I was very proactive with therapy. And I, if you're out there and you're someone that's thinking about it or, um, or on the fence about it, or you've tried it and didn't like it, just really think about the type of therapy that you're going to and the person that you're you're communicating with. Like sometimes you just don't jive with somebody or their method. And 
Um, maybe when we have Julie come on in a little bit, we can just talk about the different types of therapy. But for me, I, I liked talk therapy at certain times in my life. And what really helped me um, more recently has been EMDR, um, which is an acronym that we can look up and tell you exactly what it is. But basically, it uses both sides of the brain. And you go through some, you list out some traumatic events. And some are, if you were to use a 10-point scale, some are, you know, ones, twos, and threes. And some are nine, some of them are nine and ten. Um, and you kind of work through each of those in per session. And for me, that was extremely cathartic. Um, and then post-deployment, I worked with someone that specialized in military. So there is a therapist out there for you. There's a therapy type out there for you. So I just encourage anybody to talk to somebody, whether it's a friend that's gone, um, a, a professional, even talking to the professional that you may have worked with and just say, listen, you know, I really like you, but I don't like this type of therapy. I think every therapist is out to help, not necessarily keep a client because they just want to have the client. They want to help the client. And sometimes that's shifting their, their, their treatment. Yeah. Right. So, so there's that. Yeah. So, so Kristen, do you want to talk a little bit about who we are going to have on as our part dos to this episode? Yeah, we have an amazing professional that will be joining us in uh, later in the episode, Dr. Julie Liefeld, who is absolutely incredible. The acronyms after her name are infinite. <laughs> um, I remember commenting on an email she sent. I was like, you're a pretty big deal. <laughs> and of course, she, sum- she humbly was like, oh, no, no. But um, Dr. Liefeld is, is incredible. Do you want to speak about her a little bit? Yeah, I'll try to like go through those acronyms, right? So she's a registered nurse. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She also has her PhD in, I believe, human development and positive psychology. We'll have to double check with her. Um, Am I missing anything? She's an experienced registered uh, yoga teacher. Yes, she runs the, she helps run the 300-hour teacher training at the yoga shop with Annie Q and Kim Charbonneau. And she created the life coaching. Yes. So Kristen and I went through the life coaching course with Julie. That's now Kristen and I are both live free, live big life coaches from the yoga shop through Julie Liefeld. And I had never met Julie before doing life coaching. I had heard amazing things about her. This was back in... She's a legend. She is. (laughs) Um, This was back in January we did our life coaching. And um, she's just one of those people like... I, first of all, felt so extremely comfortable around her. The second, you know, day one, five minutes in, I was like, oh, cool. She's cool. (laughs) I'm going to like her. Like, you just kind of can tell that about some people, right? Like, you know, you're going to connect with them. And she was one of those people that I just was like, yep, she's real talk. And I really appreciate that about her. And she is, uh, you know, she has a science background. She has actually evidence-based theory to back what she is talking about so she's not like Kristen and I have a a wealth of life experience to speak to and we are both yoga teachers and life coaches and Kristen's a Reiki healer and we have you know various things I guess that that like on paper and experiences that we can bring to the table and that's why we wanted to do this podcast because we I think Kristen you and I 
do have stories and voices that are worth sharing, but I think it's extremely important to have people on like Julie that really are are brilliant in their subject and can take this podcast one step further, 10 steps further, honestly. Um, I think there's a saying that goes like, I know what I know and I know what I don't know. And I know that I don't know the science base to it. And can I go and read and research? And absolutely. But there's something to be said about someone that's been doing this for years, for, you know, decades in the field, seeing it in their patients because she is still seeing patients. Um, and I think it's really important to have someone that's on the ground because to be honest, I don't even think that what we're about to experience as a country is actually technically, if you look up the term re-entry shock or re-entry, um, there's a couple of different, um, uh, synonyms, mm-hmm. but I don't think this is technically that because technically reentry shock is when you go away from the country and then you come back. Nobody's left the country. But, We've just been told to stay in our homes. But that is a way of going. That is a form of going away, right? Like there are, there are so many. I mean, this is something that we'll we'll ask Julie about for sure. Um, the other thing is that a lot of people. I've been seeing this a lot on Facebook with. You know, I'm Facebook friends with a few other therapists, and I've seen a lot of articles about this that, you know, once this thing, quote unquote, ends, if it does actually have an ending point, which I'm not sure that it actually will, I think it's going to be a general fade out, but that, you know, the next round of this thing is going to be therapists are really going to be on the front lines, like helping people mm-hmm. get reintegrated into society and also helping people deal with the trauma of all that is COVID. We're all grieving something right now. Yeah, there's a large amount of grief. And I also wanted to talk to Julie about the children, mm. right? There's We tend to think that, oh, kids, they're okay. They're resilient, you know. Oh, my problems are really big because I have to figure out how to go and get groceries now or pay the bills and I lost my job. And, and those are extremely real. Don't get me wrong. They are very real. But our children are seeing the parents struggling mm. through it. They're losing out on their friends. They're losing out on their social life. They're they're taking on the stress of their parents. And now there's no outlet or way to get away from their parents. Mm-hmm. And there's no way for the parents to get away from the kids. And, and everyone's going through a lot of struggles. But I personally watch the news. I don't see a lot of the kids getting recognized for losing out. It's yeah. mostly graduations. Yeah. But you don't see like the five, six, seven-year-old who doesn't get to see their teacher. And I really want to dive into that with Julie when when she comes on um, later in the episode. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm so excited. This is, this is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah, so if you guys are as excited to hear more from Julie, more about Julie, as Kristen and I are, then stay tuned. Subscribe to this podcast and you will get alerted when our newest episode drops. We are also on Instagram and we've got a website. We're on Facebook. We've got it all, man. Um, <laughs> we are following the podcast. Check us out. Leave a review and we look forward to hearing more from you. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.